What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I have the one and only John Roth on the line today. How you doing, John? Great. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. Uh, so, yeah, give, give the audience a quick little overview of, of your bio and kind of what got you into keto in the first place, man. Sure, yeah. Um, so myself and my wife have kind of been uh, interested in uh, low-carbohydrate kind of keto-type diets about a year and a half now. And, um, you know, amongst other things, uh, you know, what led me to start looking into more of the low-carbohydrate um, lifestyle and then that kind of evolved into, you know, more ketogenic type stuff, especially for my wife as well, um, was that about three years ago, I got uh, diagnosed with late onset uh, type 1 diabetes uh, at the age of 36. And so that was a major kind of life uproar, so to speak. And uh, yeah, I've just been kind of going down the rabbit hole ever since then regarding, uh, you know, additions to our, um, you know, just the way we go about our nutrition and, and adding that into an active lifestyle. Let's dive into type one diabetes, man, especially like late onset. That I mean, was there a history of type one diabetes in your family or did that come out of left field? It was completely unexpected to to tell you the truth. Um I believe my mom's uh mother uh had type two. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, other than that there wasn't any history of type one anywhere else in our in our family. So it was a complete kind of shocker for me and um looking back at our family history no one that i was able to find um in our family history had had any any uh mention of it so it was very unexpected so it was uh kind of shocking um we do have um some history of some other uh, more minor um i guess autoimmune type uh type diseases um sporadically throughout the family but nothing in the type one camp <laughs> what uh i mean how, how'd that hit you i mean it, <laughs> i can't even imagine like if somebody diagnosed me type one diabetes you know randomly i wouldn't know what to what to do like with you and your wife sitting there and the doc tells you that what's the first thing that comes to your mind like how do you handle that yeah you know it was pretty shocking um yeah the, the way it kind of went was that uh i had kind of noticed a pretty significant decline in, in my, um, workouts and what I was doing in not only in the gym, but outside of the gym and, um, general, uh, I guess energy level. And I actually lost about almost 20 pounds by the time I finally made my way into the hospital. And I'm only about six, two and about 170 pounds. So, you know, you take 15, 20 pounds off somebody that's, you know, has that build, you know, it's not good. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, when, when I finally did end up, uh, going in, you know, the fatigue had gotten to the point where I had to, of course, call off work and I was slated to go back out on another trip. And, um, my wife kind of said, yeah, you're not just calling in late for work. You're, you're, we're going to the hospital. And, um, so from there, yeah, we went into an emergency room and, you know, as I said on our, or have told the story, it's not good when they kind of part the waters for you in the emergency room and you go right back, you know? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, when we got that, that news, you know, in the uh, emergency room there, it was kind of, um, you know, a couple things kind of go come to mind, you know, one is, 
you know, how is this going to affect, you know, my family and, and, and my wife and followed shortly by how is this going to affect the rest of my life, you know, as far as outside of, of, of work and whatnot, you know, is this going to affect, you know, how I'm able to be active and the activities I like to, uh, to do on my free time. And then lastly, or probably thirdly, I guess I could say is, you know, how's this going to affect my uh, career? And I happen to be in a career field where this had a, a very profound effect on it. So that was kind of next in line. What, uh, what, what career path? Right. So, um, I was a professional airline pilot, um, and still function in a capacity of that. I actually work for our company's training department now, training uh, pilots in a non-flight role. So I do everything up to uh, the aircraft training. So in our simulators and ground training and systems and so on. But um, prior to my diagnosis, you know, I was an airline pilot and had spent most of my adult slash professional career, you know, leading up to that. And as it sits now, the Federal Aviation Administration has that as a disqualifying event. And by that, I mean, type or they don't specify type one or type two diabetes, but insulin dependent diabetics as a disqualifying event to hold what's called a, a first class medical. And for professional airline pilots, we have to hold um, kind of the highest level of medical certification that the uh, that the FAA requires. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't necessarily lose your license per se, if you don't have a medical but you can't exercise the privileges of that uh, commercial airline pilot certificate without a medical. So, in effect, you you lose your license. <laughs> so, so it's kind of crazy, man. Like a lot of people, they they get diagnosed that they want to improve their health, and and I mean that's that's a you know obviously a noteworthy goal in itself. But here that you are, you know, being faced with a decision that your career path is about to change, whereas most people probably don't experience you know that degree of change with when their health kind of goes uh, south, but you're basically just, they took your wings away. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. You know, I'm sitting there in a, you know, in a hospital bed in the ICU and I'm reading that right on the FAA's website where it's a disqualifying event. And, you know, you just, you know, see your, you know, see part of your career that you spent the better part of 20 years to acquire and thousands of hours in the air just kind of evaporate in front of your eyes. It's, it's definitely, it's a shocker. <laughs> what, uh, I mean, like, did you get depressed at all after that? I mean, I, I can't, like, for me personally, I can't imagine, you know, putting forth 20 years of my life to work towards something to build a foundation for my family and my future, and then all of a sudden just have that stripped for me and not really, I mean, you don't really plan for that, obviously. It's like, I, I, I mean, what, how's that affect you? Well, I mean, it definitely, um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know, you always have in the back of your mind, you know, I guess as a pilot that you, there is a possibility that something could occur and you could potentially lose your license or lose your medical more specifically. Um, but, you know, being a fairly young, uh, fit, you know, person who had been, you know, into various sports and, you know, nutrition and athletics your whole life, you know, you don't, it's the old, you know, you don't think it's going to happen to you. So, you know, when it, when it does, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, it hits you hard, but I guess what I did have to kind of focus on is that, um, 
you know, I started to think about, well, you know, this is going to have a massive effect on my career for now. And, but, you know, I started to look more towards, well, what do I have, you know? And, and, you know, I didn't, you know, I mean, I was going in quite frankly, I, I wouldn't have been shocked if they told me I had some sort of, you know, stage four cancer. Cause I felt so bad, you know? And I said, well, you know, it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just tried to, look at the things that I was thankful for, you know, I had, you know, a a caring family and, and, and a loving wife. And, you know, as long as I could learn how to treat and or control the disease, I could still do all the other things that I wanted to do. And, you know, I just tried to, to look beyond the loss and look more at where can I go from here and, and how can I overcome it? That's honestly like the best way and the only way to look at it, man. I mean, it is what it is, and you have the decision to make of, you know, what are you going to do with that information? Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that kind of goes into, you know, a lot of what's led me down the path of, you know, being becoming more, I guess, uh, refined in, in nutrition and, and kind of going down the, the path of learning and studying you know, the low carb and ketogenic type lifestyles and and habits and applying that towards diabetic management or control. And, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, you you, going beyond, beyond that and taking initiative, you know, which is kind of a, a sidebar for the, maybe another portion of the, of the interview. But, you know, I mean, it's just kind of, you have to ask yourself, you know, how do you overcome this and, you know, take it upon yourself to motivate and, and move beyond it, you know? What, uh, I mean, how many kids do you have, you said? Oh, we don't have any. We got, we got two little beasties running around here, but they're uh, furry ones, you know? Got furry ones? Dogs. And then your yeah. wife, and, and how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so I'm 39 now, just coming up. I got a few more months until I hit the big 4-0. <laughs> and you, you were diagnosed at what age? Or how, how long ago was that? 36. So 36. yeah, just, uh, just coming up on three years, full years. Yeah. So what, I mean, kind of been doing what you've been doing for the past three, four years. I mean, you stayed in the aviation industry. Um, do you, like, what, what's the, what's the hope for, you know, being able to fly again? Like, is there going to be a you know, change in regulation or what's your thoughts there? Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of a pretty, not, I won't want to say vast subject, but it's, it's pretty involved in, you know, kind of a rundown of it is that about a year and a half ago, I was able to get my third class medical back, which is the lowest. So there's a third of second and the first class third class medical allows me to exercise privileges as a private pilot. So basically fly, with um fly basically most aircraft that uh, are is not for hire so just as a private citizen you know i can take up friends family that kind of stuff rent aircraft fly privately um so that that was nice you know that allowed me to get back in the air in, in that regard flying smaller airplanes from time to time um but um you know basically after uh, i'd say about the first 6 months or so maybe a year i started to get a little bit more heavily involved with you know uh working with a, a service that is the medical arm i guess of the airline pilots association um to start some advocacy and then some applications to try and get my medical back 
um, because in 2015, they actually changed the regulations in that it's not explicitly prohibited that uh, you can't um, have a medical as a type 1 diabetic or an insulin-dependent diabetic, which we can get to kind of the, the difference between the two here in a bit. But um, it just says that you have to have what's called a special issuance where you submit various medical documentation, they review it, and then determine whether or not it's uh, safe for you to fly with that particular condition. And there's, you know, quite a bit of that that happens, you know, for various folks, because as we all know, the human body, as best as we try, is not, you know, a uh, flawless machine. And sometimes we have to have, you know, corrections to it. So there's the ability to get it back. It's just what's been happening is that they've kind of been stonewalling everybody that has insulin-dependent diabetes where they've neither approved nor denied, but they haven't listed any reason for that lack of issuance. And so we've been advocating uh, to make progress on that. And everyone I've talked to that is, you know, physicians, um, era, um, flight surgeons that are the ones that basically do your medical application process for you are very uh, positive in that they feel like it's it's going to happen. It's just anytime you're dealing with a government institution, uh, it's moves at a glacial pace. Mm -hmm. So that can be frustrating. So it's just, again, like a lot of things, you know, if it's something that you really value and you want to go after for not only yourself, but I feel like this is something that's going to be a positive advancement for others. You know, like if you go down and, you know, talk to kids or other folks that are maybe, you know, might have aspirations of being a pilot, you know, yeah, you want to, you want to give them that, that, um, hope, I guess of saying, yeah, you can do this if you put your mind to it, you know, and you don't want, you know, being a pilot to be the one thing that's, you know, you go down to JDRF and say, sorry, kids, you know, uh, yeah, that whole pilot thing, you can't do that because you have to take your medicine with a syringe instead of a pill, you know? It's crazy, man. Like I, you know, for me, in my perspective, you know, I, I work with people like my clients. They want to improve their health. People reach out to me and they, they, they want to lose weight or they want to improve their composition or they're, they're sure. just trying to improve their health from like a you know diabetic standpoint, kind of stabilize their blood sugar and insulin. But I'd never thought of it in terms of, you know, here you are, you're doing everything right. You know, you're not overweight. You know, you're just type 1, late onset type 1 diabetic. And yet your career path is totally turned on its head, which is affecting your family and your future. And I don't know, man, like that, it really resonates with me because it, it makes it makes keto, but not just keto, the implications of this as a whole so much more, um, I don't know, so much more crucial and just important for people to kind of be mindful of and, and strive to improve on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I totally agree with that and that. I guess getting back to the diabetes side of things, you know, depending on, uh, I've done a few podcasts with more or with podcasts that are more geared towards diabetes or diabetics. So I, you know, if, if it's all right with you, I can take a second to kind of explain the difference between type one and type two diabetes, if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Like dive into the weeds on that. <laughs> um, so from, you know, as a summary, type 1 diabetics basically lose the ability of their pancreatic cells, more specifically beta cells in their pancreas. Their own immune system attacks those cells 
as if they were something foreign and attacks and kills those cells in the pancreas that produce insulin. So a type 1 diabetic loses the ability to produce any insulin. So without exogenous or exterior insulin, in effect, you would eventually lose the ability to absorb any energy, whether it was glucose or even, you know, eventually ketone bodies would build up to the point where they become toxic. Um, so you lose the ability to really um, absorb energy um, that your body would produce and eventually you would die. Um, and that would be a rather quick process. Like if I stopped taking my insulin and had no access to insulin, I would probably be dead within four days to seven days. So, um, you know, you, you literally do not make any insulin whatsoever. So you have to take it yourself. When you went to the doctor, did they draw your labs? Like what were your numbers? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Um, so normal blood sugar values for an adult. Um, now, you know, there's another conversation there is what's the average American blood sugar. I don't know, but, uh, well I do, but, um, there's some averages there, but a normal, what's considered to be a healthy blood sugar for an adult is somewhere between 70, uh, milligrams per deciliter. And the upper end would be, this is fasting 99 milligrams per deciliter. Mm -hmm. So, Mine, by comparison, when I finally made my way to the hospital, um, the first finger stick they took in the waiting room of the uh, ER, most of the uh, portable blood glucose meters, <clears throat> they don't read once they get beyond either 400 or 450 in most cases. Mm -hmm. They just say high. So that one said high, in which case they're like, okay, you're going in back. And I, I talked to the doctor later on after they kind of stabilized things. And... Um, um, the reading they got was 794, I believe. So that's crazy, um, man. <laughs> yeah. And what was going on there was I was kind of teetering on the edge of what's called diabetic ketoacidosis where, um, you know, your, your ketone levels and your blood sugar levels are simultaneously extremely high and it makes your blood and some of the other, um, you know, portions of the body ex extremely acidic and it becomes very toxic. And then also it puts you into a pretty profound state of electrolyte imbalance. And that's actually what can ultimately kill you because it causes organ failure. And, um, it, yeah, so it, it, it's a slippery slope and if it's not caught, usually what ends up killing folks from my understanding when they're in DKA, um, is that extreme electrolyte and, um, fluid imbalance and that just basically puts them into organ failure because you were you were doing the low carb kind of slash keto prior to going to the doctor so you were producing you know heightened level of ketones anyways and your body was just you know shuttling that blood glucose but it didn't have anywhere to go that's true um prior to being diagnosed with diabetes i was you know very active very um you know did a lot of endurance sports and weight training and so on but i i wasn't at, you know, as far down, you know, low carb anywhere near actually that I am now. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I could, I was kind of getting away with the standard athletes diet where, because, you know, I had pretty good body composition and I was really active and I did a lot of mountain biking and, you know, endurance activities. I was still eating, I think we were gluten-free at the time. We didn't eat gluten, 
but um, definitely, I mean, I wouldn't say I was eating anywhere near the amount of carbohydrates that would be considered standard American diet, but I definitely would not say that I was low carb at low carb at that time. But even if I was um, going back to the physiology of diabetes uh, type one, I should say, um, even if you are fully ketogenic, um, you, you would still find yourself um, in very bad shape and a matter of days. I mean, you could potentially prolong it by being ketogenic, but mm -hmm. to what end? Um, I, I don't know. There's no data on that really. Not, not a good place to be either way though. Correct. <laughs> yeah, definitely not someplace you want to find yourself. But, um, and then, um, I guess going back over to type two diabetes, which is a lot more prevalent, um, that is more of a disease that uh, people like uh, Dr. Jason Fong and, you know, even um, with Dr. Brett Shear, I believe you had him on one of your shows as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. And some other endocrinologists that are also savvy on low carb uh, diets and um, ketogenic diets, you know, they'll call type two diabetes. Um, a lot of times it's thought of as a disease of high blood sugar, which is not incorrect, but more specifically, it's shown to be a disease of what's called hyperinsulinemia, where you have such high levels of insulin in your body that your body has become insulin resistant. So the cells in your body are no longer responding as well to the insulin that your body does produce. And so what happens is because of that insulin resistant and that super high level of insulin in your body and insulin resistance that you're no longer able to produce enough insulin to kind of force out all of the glucose that's in your blood. And then, so what happens is that it just stays kind of suspended in the blood if you want to think of it that way. And so, yes, you do have elevated blood sugar values, but it's a byproduct of hyper and insulinemia, which, is then caught or is really caused by the onslaught of high carbohydrates, sugars, all the stuff that has become unfortunately a staple in a lot of our modern, um, you know, food and diet practices. Yeah. And then with like the current medical practices, a lot of those type two diabetics are just given more insulin. Exactly. Which exactly. is, I mean, it just, I can't even begin to fathom how <laughs> crazy that is as a concept. I mean, it's just basically killing them that much faster. Well, you're absolutely right. It does. And it's actually exacerbates that uh, insulin resistance. And so unfortunately, what happens, and this can happen too with type ones, is that as you become more and more insulin resistant, you have to have more and more insulin. And it's a really uh, vicious circle where as you have more insulin, you know, that's a, as you know, that's a growth and or a storage hormone. And so that causes, you know, hunger and then the hunger you eat more. And if you're eating the wrong stuff, then you need more insulin. And it's a really, it's a very negative feedback loop there. And, you know, eventually what happens is, is no matter how much insulin you take and how strong the insulin is, you can't maintain normal blood sugar values. And ultimately what ends up now, some of this is opinion and there might be some people yelling on the other end of the speaker, but ultimately diabetes doesn't doesn't really kill anybody. It's the complications from diabetes that ends up killing folks. Mm -hmm. um, as far as 
coronary artery disease, um, different types of dementia, other diseases that are called from that are caused from glycation of the cells in the body, like neuropathy, you know, um, peripheral neuropathy that causes a lot of times the amputations that you see, and then people get infections from the amputations, and then that ends up the infection ends up killing them, or they get retinopathy, which is where they lose their sight from the again the inflammation in the uh, in the eyes and the vascular structures around the eyes. Um, you know, liver failure. Uh, you, I'm sure you may have heard of sometimes um, people who have not controlled their diabetes well ending up on uh, dialysis, you know, mm -hmm. because their, you know, kidneys have, have gone. And I mean, there's just this laundry list of just horrendous things that you could potentially die from, but that's a cause of the high blood, blood glucose or blood sugar values causing long-term damage. Um, and it can be very insidious, you know, it's a lot of times it's not something that's going to happen in one or five or sometimes even 10 years. It's stuff that comes up, you know, over the course of 10 to 20 years, which, you know, goes back to normal health, which is, you know, I, sometimes when folks come to me and ask me for, you know, either advice or some, you know, tips or whatever on, you know, diet and nutrition, and, you know, you get into that conversation of like sometimes eating healthy, um, folks say, well, it's expensive and it's not convenient and all this kind of stuff. And, I just say, man, you know, you're talking about your health, man. You know, um, if you go cheap on your food, you know, you're going to pay. Believe me, you're going to pay, but it's not going to be in food. It's going to be in medical bills, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it honestly blows my mind, man. Like when I first started, you know, lifting and getting into training, you know, you're always told, <clears throat> you know, it's equal parts nutrition and training. But I was young and dumb and thought I could get away with it. So I pretty much just focused on the training and, and gave, mm -hmm. like, nutrition was an afterthought. Um, now I've totally flipped that on its head and I've, I've focused so much more on the nutrition and I, I look at people like my whole family come, I mean, we're, we're from the South, you know, we, we grow, we grew up eating, you know, grandma's baking and, and just not optimal foods by any means, tasty foods, but not optimal. And I look oh, yeah. at my, my relatives, I look at my family, I look at my, my parents, um, even my brother and they're just eating foods that are not going to yield a long-term, you know, positive result on their body. And, I, I, I mean, I've had older relatives that, you know, have been on dialysis and died. I've been to funerals, burying my own relatives that, you know, had mm -hmm. these implications that I didn't even realize what was causing it at the time. But now that I've kind of been enlightened as to what all this inner working is and kind of how nutrition comes into play, it's like I, I would be doing a disservice to my family, my friends, and the world if I didn't, try and make this more known because it's, it's such an obvious fix that, mm -hmm. that people just don't realize. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree with you uh, fully. Um, you know, which is one of the things that kind of motivated me to start emailing and, you know, maybe getting in contact or getting into contact with some folks of the podcast that I listen to that I feel like have a good message and, you know, good information and, you know, seem like solid folks like yourself to, again, try and, you know, just like you said, share that information and try and get that information out there. Because like on your show, it's not geared towards diabetics, but maybe somebody hears this that either is a diabetic and has been thinking about it 
And they're like, oh, you know, because I guarantee you, man, their endocrinologist is going to tell them that they're going to die if they do a ketogenic diet or it's going to be extremely dangerous and they're going to scare the crap out of them. But, you know, I'm here to say that it works and it can work very well and very safely and it will have a profoundly positive effect on your health and your uh, and your control. You know, and I just want to get that word out there to try and help folks, you know, and, and, you know, like even just this morning on that note, you know, um, I was at the gym and I saw this girl probably, I don't know, in her mid twenties or so. And she had this thing called an Omnipod, which is a, um, it's a type of insulin delivery system where it's like this little like Apple watch size type thing that contains insulin and it it injects it, um, as needed. And it kind of sticks to wherever you put it on your body. And it has a little subcutaneous thing that, that, that uh, goes underneath your skin just to keep it in layman's terms. So I saw that and I was like, oh, you know, are you type one? She's like, yeah, yeah, I just got this, you know, and, you know, working on getting my, you know, my blood sugar values and better control and, you know, but this is new. And like she has this other thing called a, or is getting what's what I wear and have used for a long time. It's a continuous glucose monitor where it takes a glucose measurement every five minutes. Mm-hmm. So you can see trends and adjust as necessary and gives you a much better tool to control your blood sugar but you know she had some questions on that and she's like yeah you know my my hba1c's are in the nines but i want to work on getting them down which again for the normal listeners you know a normal blood sugar hba1c which is a three month three month average of your blood glucose should be somewhere between 4.5 and maybe 5.4 would be considered normal range so nine is almost double normal so I was like, yeah, you know, I've been doing this for three years and, you know, use a lot of nutrition and diet to help. And, you know, I, I don't use a pump myself. I actually do what's called multiple daily injections um, because I don't really want something connected to me. Mm-hmm. And with a ketogenic or a low carb diet, it's completely possible to have very good control with injections instead of a pump. But that, again, nutrition is a key facet to that. So I started talking to her about that and she was like getting really excited. Like, Oh man, you know, like I didn't know you could do that. And, you know, like just try to give her some information. And I gave her, you know, my name and number and said, Hey, you know, as you're going through this, you know, if you have any questions, you know, I'm not a medical professional by any means, but you know, I've got some real world experience. I've put a lot of time into study and research and, you know, kind of pulling on my, my, uh, you know, minor, that I got in sports nutrition and physiology back in the day, you know, I'll do my best to help you, you know, and maybe I can help you shortcut something by a month or, you know, say, Hey, try this. And, you know, I found this by trial and error and try and help, help them out, you know, and maybe going on podcasts, people will hear that and say, Oh man, you know, I'm going to start looking at this more as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a hundred percent the right way to look. And that's the beauty of, of this, you know, nutritional community in the first place. I mean, like, if you see that, you know, mid-20-year-old girl that's, this you know, getting on, <clears throat> you know, type 1 diabetic and just that's becoming her life t- lifestyle now, if you can, you know, short-circuit her, you know, mishaps and just kind of make this an uh, easier transition for her, like, that's going to be life-changing for her. You know, she's going to remember you and that conversation long after you've forgotten it because you've had such a profound impact on her. And for us to be able to do that at scale and help more people at once, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just exciting, man. It's motivating. Yeah. And, you know, and as you were saying with your family, kind of going back to that, 
you know, as I'm sure you've experienced, you know, they always say trying to sometimes helping the, your family and your loved ones, the ones closest to you is the hardest feat. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent, man. Like it's, yeah. I mean, are you, are you kind of struggling with that? Like, have you talked to family members that don't know what you're doing and, and don't understand it and don't support it? Um, I wouldn't say that there's ones that don't support it. Um, you know, my, my wife, you know, she's definitely on board with it and that's a massive you know, help and, and, or is it, you know, it helps cause it's just the two of us. And then, I mean, heck man, I could even go as far as to say that our dogs are on keto cause we feed them, you know, high protein, high fat, you know, no grain, no carbon or low carbohydrate dog food. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're 13, 14 and they act like puppies, you know? So it, it doesn't just apply to people, but going back to the family thing, you know, um, you know, my parents, um, they were more traditional, you know, and it's not that they didn't support it. They just didn't understand it, you know, because it is, it, it completely bucks that tradition, you know, cause I, I, I grew up in uh, East Tennessee actually. So I'm kind of a Southern boy myself, but um, you know, it, it goes against that tradition, you know, and my, both my parents are, are very well educated, but you know, you're going against years and years and years and years of dogma, you know, saying, and you know, they bought into hook, line and sinker, the, the push of low fat, everything back in the eighties and early nineties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I show up and I'm like, no, mom, I'm going to have four eggs, put some uh, bacon bits in there and I'm going to eat an avocado and I might put some cheese on that while I'm at it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, your cholesterol is going to go through the roof, John. Cause my mom was a, um, uh, an open heart, uh, a cardiac nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so she's very attuned to it and we've had heart disease in our family and, and all that. And my dad, you know, he had a, a open heart surgery, you know, back in the late eighties and, uh, they're all like, Oh, your cholesterol, your cholesterol. I'm like, no mom, it doesn't work like that. Let me tell you about it. And, you know, finally uh, about six, uh, it's been about almost six months now, you know, my mom said, well, you know, I mean, John's doing pretty good. You know, he seems really healthy and it's really helping him, you know, keep his diabetes at, you know, non-diabetic levels if i were to pull blood work and turn it into the fa and i didn't self-disclose that i was a diabetic they would never know because ever, all my blood values are well within functional healthy normal mm-hmm. and i showed her this i'm like mom here's my lipid panel you know you know how to read this look at this and she's like oh my gosh you know your your cholesterol is you know just below 200 and your you know hdl is way up and your triglycerides are at 35 and you know you're LDL is at a good range. She's like, these are amazing. And she's just like, but you eat all this fat and all this, you know, all this crazy stuff. I'm like, yeah, I know mom, but it's, it's the, the sugars and the grains and the inflammation and all that other stuff. That's, that's the problem. It's not, it's not the healthy fats and a well-formulated diet, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I found that the hardest barrier to kind of cross with, you know, like my parents' generation, your parents' generation is, it's like they they're starting to hear about it. They want to experiment with it. They maybe mm-hmm. read a blog post about it, read something on the news about it, and then they they dabble in it. But they what they wind up doing is they don't go all in. So they still mm-hmm. wind up eating a ton of carbohydrates they don't even realize they're eating, and they mm-hmm. wind up doing themselves more harm than good because now they're getting high carbs and high fat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that's yeah that's a key portion as well too, you know, and, you know, people, I talk about it or tell about it and, you know, work with them and stuff. You know, I tell them one thing that's absolutely crucial is that you find a good source to kind of explain the low carbohydrate slash ketogenic diet 
thoroughly and research it so you understand what it is that you're really doing um, so that you can do things like not just read the nutrition label because as most of us know that have gone down this road they're far from truthful i mean there's there's a 20 percent error factor that's allowed by the fda plus the fact that they can do stuff like say well you know there's zero net carbs but then you look at it and there's you know all these sugar alcohols and all kinds of other wild stuff in there but you know you got to read the ingredients you know and say oh look you know tapioca starch that's sugar uh brown rice flour that's sugar you know like mm -hmm. you know reading all this stuff and recognizing like oh man you know like this thing's hiding a lot of stuff that like you said it's hidden carbohydrates which from a diabetes standpoint um you know carbohydrates is sugar because quite honestly once you start digesting it your liver doesn't know the difference and neither does your blood blood sugar <laughs> yeah i would argue that's the case even if you're not a diabetic oh it is it absolutely is i mean matter of fact there's a um I can't remember the, the medical term for it, but that I, I researched and, um, your body, like for a non-diabetic, your body, like the instant you smell something that in your body kind of has that trigger that it thinks it's about to eat or consume food, it actually starts releasing insulin mm -hmm. before food even touches your mouth, yep. you know? Um, and, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and unfortunately, you know, food companies and, you know, the, the hyper palatable foods and, you know, I mean, they're, they're kind of hijacking that and they, they know that it happens and, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you're already started on that insulin train before you even put anything in your mouth. And I mean, they, they've done things where, um, in a clinical stamp or a research standpoint, I read this one PubMed article where they literally had folks, um, eat, kind of like foamy kind of chunks of something. It, it basically, it was non-edible. It was, it, it wouldn't digest, but it also wouldn't cause their, you know, intestines to get all jacked up or, or clogged. I should say that's not a very technical term, but, mm -hmm. um, and measured their insulin levels. And they literally ate these like foam, non-digestible, you know, almost like little rocks. And they had this significant increase in insulin secretion. And it was, it had, there was no nutrients in it whatsoever nor would it break down, but yet it, their insulin went up. So there's some really interesting stuff out there regarding that for sure. Yeah, that, that's a huge reason why I'm an advocate for counting total carbs as opposed to net carbs. Because, I mean, you can get away with all kinds of, you know, sugar oh, yeah. alcohols that don't technically qualify as net carbohydrates, but they're having a profound impact on your insulin levels. Oh, yeah, it's massive, you know. And, I mean, you know, you're, you're a gym guy as well too, and, I mean, you know, I go to one of the big box gyms. I probably shouldn't say it over the air, but I'm sure you can imagine. I mean, they've got the the wall of desserts is what I call them. I mean, it's... it's. Uh, is their you know, color scheme purple? Uh, no, that one's next in line because that one's out by my work that I go out to. That one they have, uh, what do they do? They do like bagel morning Tuesdays where they have <laughs> bagels and cream cheese. Yeah, I know that one. Uh, <laughs> this one has a more of a blue red color scheme with the number two four in it um, I got you. yeah <laughs> they get but, desserts um, too huh i didn't even know that <laughs> so uh you know they have that whole you know supplement section and then they have the coolers with all the supplement drinks in there and everything and i guarantee you there is besides the water bottles there is not a single one of those things that don't have some preposterous amount of sugar and carbohydrates in them mm-hmm you know, and 
that's just, you know, that's the culture that we're kind of bucking against, you know, and it's not because people are dumb or, you know, we're better than them or anything like that. It's just because, you know, they just don't know. And I didn't know for a long time myself, I'm not going to make it out to be like, you know, I'm this benevolent, you know, super nutrition guy that's known this since I was four. I mean, I certainly played into that myself for a long time too. And Oh yeah, I mean you're, you're marketed to that. I mean that's just what yeah. what you see as reality, and like like yeah. you said, supplements. I mean they they know how to market to people to you know play on their emotions. I mean some of the supplements that are marketed as keto even are the farthest thing from keto. Oh yeah, because you know unfortunately, it's just like gluten free. You know the industry has latched onto it. They know they can sell it, and they're going to try and capitalize on it. And if you the consumer don't take the initiative to educate yourself, you know, you could find yourself almost into a worse situation than before because here you are thinking you're doing something good when in fact it's not. It's actually detrimental to your health or your, in my case, diabetes control or whatever it is. You know, I use the, I call it the Quest Bar analogy. Mm -hmm. You know, people see, oh yeah, Quest Bar, you know, it's got good protein, two net net grams of carbohydrates. You turn that thing over, first of all, read the ingredient list and you can find sugar in it. And second of all, if you look at even their nutrition label, which they're allowed to have some error on, it says right on the back, I think they have 22 or 24 grams of carbohydrates and 18 of it is sugar alcohols. And then they put a bunch of fiber in there. So then they can cut it down on that net carbohydrate. So it's just what you're talking about as a diabetic that has a continuous glucose meter. I can tell you right now, net carbohydrates is uh, a bunch of BS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm really glad to say that, man, because that's, that's honestly one of the big pitfalls and kind of like, I don't know, stumbling blocks of keto as a, as a whole. People, I don't know where the whole adage of only count net carbs came from. I don't know where this whole, you know, as long as you keep net carbs under 50 grams a day, you're good. I mean, people can have 50 grams of net carbs, 100 grams total carbs, and, they, and that, they're not even in ketosis. Um, but yeah, uh-huh. it's, it, it's, it's sad because, you know, like I said, people are playing on this. It's, it's hugely important to read the ingredient list and not just the nutritional label. Um, I read every ingredient list. I don't, I don't just look at the nutritional label because, you know, like you said, there's that huge margin of error there. Um, and I think companies are required to, to disclose all the ingredients, even if they don't. They have, are, yeah, by law. The FDA does require them to, they must list all the ingredients. Yeah. Mainly that the derivative of that is for allergen information and liability, because there was a massive lawsuit about 40 years ago mm-hmm. where they didn't disclose the fact that they used, uh, um, I believe it was peanut oil. And uh, unfortunately, guess what? Some kid had to die before they passed the law. Yeah, yeah. And see, that's. You know that's unfortunate, but that's it's good that they disclose everything now because if you yeah. know what these ingredients are, you'll know what they're derived from and kind of like what effect they may have on the body. Because I mean, there's I don't know what like forty or fifty different names for for sugar. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, you, I mean, being being savvy to that and knowing what you're actually consuming is is hugely advantageous. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's paramount if you're really interested in honing in on it, you know and kind of getting back to the the self-education, you know, I tell people that, you know, there's a couple of good books that, that I recommend people read if they're interested in going down this path. And, you know, your, your podcast is included in some of the, the podcasts I recommend. And, you know, I, I tell them, I'm like, you got to read the whole book, you mm-hmm. know, and that's just a means of saying you got to don't just read the first chapter and be like, all right, so 
I can eat a whole ton of fat and ton of, you know, this and that. And, uh, I'm good to go. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like there's, there's a lot more to it and you don't want to overcomplicate it. But at the same time, you also, like you said, you don't want people going down the wrong road where then they don't, they unknowingly are almost like, pardon the pun, but they're supersizing the standard American diet where now they just increase their fat and sometimes their protein and they still have carbohydrates in there. So it's just going to be uh, a holy nightmare. You yeah, know? I agree. And, and there might be like a, you know, like a transition period. Like it's pretty typical for people to want to incorporate all the, you know, the pseudo carb meals like the keto cheesecakes and the keto cookies mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And if that, if that shortens the, the, the learning curve, if, if that kind of just um, ensures that you wind up getting into ketosis and kind of following that lifestyle, you know, I, I think that's good. You know, I think if that kind of sure. bridges the gap and it just gets people moving in the right direction, that's a positive thing. But, you yep. know, the longer you're in the diet and the lifestyle, generally speaking, you, the more you want to refine it and optimize it because you realize how much better you feel. And then that leads to removing a lot of those pseudo carb meals and and you just you could tell the difference and once you tell the difference it's it's easy to say no to them oh yeah absolutely i mean you know that's another thing that you've had multiple guests on to cover it at greater detail and you know articulate it better than i can but yeah as you know i mean you know the the carbs and sugars are highly addictive and you know once you kind of can get that out of your system and get that you know uh, um out of your your palate so to speak you know, people say, oh man, you know, this, this diet seems like it's really restrictive and I can't have this and I can't have that. But I'm like, yeah, but look at all the things you can have, man. I mean, the food is freaking delicious, man. You know I mean? Fat is where flavor really is. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, and, um, you know, once you kind of get that, that taste or that craving out of your system, which really only takes a couple weeks to be quite honest with you. Um, or at least for me, um, you know, yeah, like you said, you lose a taste for it. I, I see it all the time at work, man. I mean, you know, and, and those folks that do go into a regular office job or maybe have, you know, a, a normal workplace that they go to that they don't necessarily, um, you know, work from home or something like that or, you know, are fortunate enough to own their own business. You know, I mean, it's like it looks like a freaking three year old's birthday party, you know, half half the days of the week where I go because it's always somebody's birthday. It's always somebody's, you know, anniversary. It's always somebody's kid, you know, or they just had a kid or, you know, and there's like, you know, pizza and tacos and cakes and chips and, you know, all kinds of just it's ridiculous, man. Like I went in the other day and I kid you not right in the middle of there. Here's what somebody's birthday thing was. There was a big giant sheet cake. And you know what they had to drink? Not milk. No, no. They had Sunny D. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it's. Um... I'm like, are we adults here? Like, are, we're we're the two year olds, and even the two year olds shouldn't be eating this. You know, I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> yeah, that, that's why it, it, it's such. You know, it all comes back to having self discipline. There's, there's the stars are never gonna align. You know, you're never gonna be faced with like the the perfect scenario to get on the diet and you know start the right. lifestyle and make it work for you. There's always going to be that distraction, but you got to want, I mean, your why has got to be more important and bigger than that sheet cake and Sony D, you know, and if you yeah. have that outlook from the onset, then, then you can succeed with it. If you don't, then you're just going to be met by failure and failure again, and that's just going to be discouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and, and, you know, that's, you know, like, you know, as you talked about before and, 
you know, people say, well, how do I get started? I'm like, well, I mean, you know, start with, start with the smallest thing you can, which is, you know, I usually will tell people, Hey, if you can start off with removing as many processed, uh, uh, foods as you can, you know, just highly processed, highly refined, you know, um, foods as possible, you know, that'll get you at least kind of going in that direction as, as far as looking at food labels and looking at what's in your meal and maybe even doing some more cooking and, you know, put being more mindful of what you're actually putting in your body. Mm-hmm. You know, and then after you get going on that, then say, okay, let's start looking at how many carbs are in this, how much sugar is in this and say, oh, you know, that is beyond a certain threshold. Then I probably shouldn't eat that and maybe re- replace it with something else. And then, you know, start honing in more and more, you know, to a finer point to the point where now you do have a good understanding of, you know, the diet and, and, and so on and the nutrition that's required. And, and, um, you know, just kind of go from there, small steps, you know, and then as far as meals, you know, if you happen to be somebody that's, you know, that maybe does three meals a day, you know, and, but then you snack in between, I'm like, all right, well start off with just, you know, do your three meals a day, but then get rid of the snacks and then improve those three meals. Say if you have, you know, a carb, a carb heavy breakfast, just say, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, eating some, some eggs and sausage and, you know, leaving out all that other bread and pastries and whatever else, or, you know, get away from cereal and all the crazy yogurts that have tons of sugar in them and just start there. And then like, okay, so do that maybe for a few days and then say, Oh, you know what? I'm also going to fix my lunch. And then, then you can work on dinner. So there's a tons of, there's hundreds of different ways to get into it, as you know, but you know, start somewhere, start, just, that's all you have to do is start. It's it's crazy to me that that people aren't initially motivated simply for the sole reason of knowing their body more. I mean, mm-hmm. I like yeah. with me being adapted, you know, four years strict keto. Like I can eat, you know, four ounces of an avocado, and I can tell you exactly how and when my body's going to respond. And my yeah. my senses of just they they're just heightened to a whole other level. I mean, I'm so in tune with what my body you know, needs, requires, responds and reacts to. And that, that, that is power. You know, that is power at my fingertips. I know how I'm going to feel three days from now before I even get there. And people go through life, you know, they, they have a stomach ache today. They have like digestive problems. They, they didn't feel good yesterday. They, everything's just in a state of flux. You don't know. You have to plan your day around how you feel. I know how I'm going to feel. I'm going to feel great. And I can tweak things to feel a certain way. Like that alone, to me, is enough motivation to want to become more in tune with your body and you become more in tune with your body by you know tweaking one small thing at a time but then just introducing quality foods like sugar desensitizes everything like you you can't like you seriously like it skews your hunger hormones it skews uh, you know your insulin response obviously like you're hungrier than you actually are and your body needs to be and you're just really out of touch with what your body's demands are but when you switch over to keto and you're eating quality whole foods i mean I've I've become like my flavor senses have become enhanced. Like I'm a freaking connoisseur of 100% dark chocolate now. I can tell you exactly the different types and flavors of dark chocolate, and like I would never been able to do that before. Oh yeah, man! You can get a whiff of it, and you're like, oh, we got over there. You yeah. know, with the dark chocolate, you're like, ooh, hey, yeah, that, <laughs> exactly. That like good stuff, man. That sounds that smells like the 98. percent Oh man, it's 100. All right, well, you know, that's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, I mean, exactly what you're saying there as far, and I'm sure you've heard this before, and and I hear it quite frequently is, you know, you start talking about nutrition and 
the advantages to it and you know why you do it and for health and feeling better and just all the things you just listed off as far as being in tune with how you are and and all the the positive health feedbacks or um, lifestyle feedbacks as well but then you know some people's reply to that is like oh well you know it doesn't really bother me you know like uh, i nah, it doesn't really bother me like you know i don't really notice anything or you know even like you know gluten and grains and all that kind of stuff oh no it doesn't bother me really well how do you know if you never tried it mm-hmm. you know i always challenge people i'm like not challenge that sounds abrasive but I, I say hey man you know just you know if you if you you know want just for kicks man try it for a couple weeks maybe even 30 days if you really want to get crazy and i guarantee you you will not it'll blow your mind how good you feel you know, it'll blow your mind. And and then you'll realize like, holy crap, like that did bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, the old scientific analogy of the frog in water, you know, you, you put a frog in warm water and heat it up, it'll boil itself to death. But if you chuck it in boiling water, it jumps right out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, nutrition, I think that's a apt, uh, a good analogy that I like to use is that, yeah, man, if you've been used to poor nutrition and just bombarding your body, for all these years, you know, you don't even, you lose touch of saying, oh man, you know, I was on the can half this morning because at last night I went out and took down all those beer and chicken wings last night, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 100%. Um, and, you know, of course that's another facet too, you know, like with what we've become as a society where, you know, you know, people, and, and I don't mean to bag on folks that need medication because some people truly need them and they have to have them myself included for, you know, my diabetes, but, you know, we've become a culture of, you know, pills and procedures. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately there's a lot of physicians and that's all they know because that's all they were trained when they were in medical school. They were, they didn't have time to learn nutrition because they were too tied up with trying to, you know, learn how to save lives on the acute spectrum, not the 20 year spectrum, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, it's not their fault and I don't blame them for it. I don't think there's a doctor out there that's, you know, a good moral standing that's, that's maliciously doing this, but there's a lot of them that are not informed and because they must comply with clinical standards, standards of care or whatever else it might be, they can't recommend or they don't know to recommend, you know, changes in, in health and, you know, and, and us as a society, you know, we're okay with that. It's kind of like going back to the beer and chicken wings I mean, you know, when's the last time you saw a Zantac or a Prilosec OTC commercial where they're sitting there slamming burritos and chicken wings and they're like, just take this pill and then you don't have heartburn. It's like, or you could not eat the flaming burrito that you just scarfed down, you know? Yeah, it's, I don't know, man, like people, it's very, very short-sighted with with people's way of thinking when it comes to things like this. And I don't know, I play the long game with with everything I do in life. Every single thing, I look at it from a long-term perspective. And people not keto a lot because they say, oh, it's too restrictive, it's too limiting, the best diet's the one that you can sustain, you know, for, for a lifetime. And it, I, I look at those arguments and I, I look them right in the eye and I'm like, this is going to be the easiest diet in the world to sustain for a lifetime because I'm not motivated to do any other diet. Um, right. I mean, I, I, I want the long-term health and honestly the short-term health too that I get from this that would, would, would not be there had I, you know, had the the beer and chicken wings and just the living on the short term whereas now i'm i'm playing to win you know when i'm 80 
And yeah. that to me is more motivating than the short term, you know, splurge that I, I could subject myself to, but I just don't want to. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, like what you said, the longevity, man, that that's, that's what I guess is a major aspiration for me, you know, like going back into like training and, and weight training and, you know, outdoor activities and stuff, you know, people say, well, what do you train for? Like, why are you in the gym or why are you out training? Or I go, I tell them I train for life, man. I mean, you know, for yourself as a competitive, you know, uh, bodybuilder and, you know, you have a competition, but everything that you do both, you know, nutritionally and in the gym is going to have, is going to pay great deals of dividends on down the road, you know? So you also, I think are, are training for, for life. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I train for life because, you know, I want to be that guy that's the 70 year old dude that's still, you know, banging out some, some, you know, some solid workouts in the gym. And I don't want to be that, you know, decrepit old person that can't get around and can't get up and down the stairs and all that kind of stuff simply because, you know, I spent a lifetime treating my body like a, you know, ridiculous amusement park. And, you know, now I wonder why I'm 50 and I'm on a handful of medications every morning and I can't get out of the chair without cracking four bones, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that's about to sound judgmental. I mean, I, I don't want to like blast people with that and be like, man, this guy's a jackass. But I, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying that's my, that's my goal, you know, like, um, you know, I, I was out hiking the other summer and, you know, there are these two dudes, you know, they're probably in their mid seventies, but they got full packs on full backpacks. They were out for a week long backpacking trip. They had quads that would probably impress you. And these guys were just out doing it, man. And they're just having a gr- great old time, man. I'm like, that's the guy I want to be. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, and like, I don't know, man, like a lot of people, they say, well, you only live once, you got to live in the moment, you know, why are you worried about what you're like when you're 70? And to them, I say, you know, I feel better in the here and now when I know I'm being the best I can be in the here and now. Like, I don't want to sacrifice, you know, on a 24-hour period. Like, I don't know, people people don't want to sacrifice anything. And yeah. sacrificing, you know, that candy or that cake, it, it makes you... Having self-discipline, man, like, I don't know, like, I don't, I'm on a self-discipline kick right now. I've always been on a self-discipline kick, but people, they don't want to be uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, that that's, that's, that's powerful at, at itself right there. Like, you're able to be self-disciplined, be okay with being uncomfortable, sacrificing this superficial stuff in your life that you don't need anyways, and you perform better on the day-to-day, and you push yourself, and you strive to be better tomorrow than you were today that that's not a bad thing that's not i mean people people like turn their nose up at you because they're just trying to make themselves feel better about them you know you gotta you gotta do you and be the best you can be if you can go to sleep at night feeling proud of your decisions that you made that day then there's nothing to hang your head about oh yeah for sure man i i totally agree with all of that and yeah i mean it's not restrictive it's more like i look at it just like you know when going back to when you know i I, sitting in a hospital bed, got the news that I had diabetes, you know, I mean, yeah, you could sit there and focus on what you just lost, but what, what about all the, the good stuff that you gain, you know, um, all the positive health benefits of this lifestyle, you know, all the long-term health benefits. Um, yeah, man, I mean, it's just, it, it's so far reaching and, you know, for, for the folks that, you know, the, the 
diabetics or maybe this will make it towards towards the you know diabetic community and and or someone will hear this i i just can't express how much better it is you know um you know and that's not to say i'm better it's not to say you don't need to modify slightly for your needs and your life and your body you know that's where i go back into the read the whole book because you know as you know you got to modify a little bit depending on what your activity level is and if you have medications and how your body responds to various uh, nutrient intake. But man, you know, if you can just get yourself away from that carbohydrate train, man, you're just setting yourself up for such a better life. I mean, for the diabetes and for the type ones, you know, again, you know, take that initiative to find out for yourself and, and, you know, take that initiative to really, find out, okay, what does this insulin really do? You know, how does it respond? What is it doing to my body? And, and take that control and take your life back. Because, you know, again, I see it all the time on uh, social media posts and, you know, Facebook and all this, where there's just people on there and they're just struggling, man. And I feel for them and I don't want to shame them, but I'm just like, man, you know, you know, did nobody, or have you not, you know, taken the time to, to, to figure out like what does one unit of insulin do at this time of day, you know, or what does this do to my body? And, you know, they're kind of at the mercy of going into their endocrinologist once every three months, if they're lucky and trying to figure out what's going wrong in a 15 or 30 minute long office visit, and then going out for another three to six months and seeing if that helps, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, man, if you just take the initiative to educate yourself on nutrition and in your medication that can, it's quite honestly, lethal you know um you'd think that would be enough motivation to to figure that out and it's never too late you know i mean if people are sitting there like oh this this guy again he's being a jackass i'm like no man i just want some people to hear this and maybe rattle their cage enough to be like oh man you know like yeah you know i i I should i should figure this out you know that's all i hope for yeah absolutely i mean neither you or i are trying to tell people they should be like us. Like that's the last thing that we're trying to do. You know, we're just trying to help people be the best that they can be. And that's going to look different for everybody. You know, like I don't, like I I get on like a mindset motivational kick and people think that I'm being judgmental towards them. That's not the case at all. Like I I look at what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis and I know what I, you know, what standards I subject myself to. Everybody's got their own standards. Everybody's got their own perspectives. Their perspectives are their realities and everybody knows what the best they can be for themselves is. And, and I just encourage people to, to be that, you know, be the best that they can be. And if that means, you know, spending an extra hour a day doing your homework, figuring out a little bit about this, you know, diet or the nutrition or, um, you know, insulin, if they're diabetic, and just kind of dive into why things work and what they can do to improve their current state. I mean, that's that's all I'm asking of anybody, just to simply be the best that they can be with the time that they have and the resources they have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, that is, you know, that is power, you know, and that, that, you know, knowledge, it's the old, you know, adage, knowledge is power, you know, and, and, and a lot of times, especially in this world, I mean, heck man, you got a cell phone or, a, uh, you know, I mean, there's so much knowledge now you, you gotta, you know, sift through it. Cause there's a lot of bad stuff out there too, but there's so much knowledge that's available and it's all free. It, mm-hmm. it, it's not expensive, man. You don't have to go and do a, 
you know, six week course for $1,200 or, you know, this or that. There's so much knowledge that's available, you know, that is just, it's right there, man. You just got to go get it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's, that's whose responsibility it falls on. Like their endocrinologist doesn't owe them anything. Their parents don't owe them anything. Doctors don't owe them anything. It's all up to them. You know, the individual, like it's, it's their life. It's in their hands and they have the power to, to make or break it basically. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, um, the, the rewards are, are massive, not just for yourself, but I mean, think about it. Sometimes people will say, oh man, you know, being interested in nutrition and health and all this kind of stuff. Again, I think it's an, it's an, an excuse mechanism where people who don't want to take the, or that don't have the motivation, or maybe they're looking for their own excuse they say, oh, well, that's all, you're being selfish, you know, you're being self-absolved um, or absorbed, I'm sorry. You know, it's a selfish pursuit. And I'm like, you know, I mean, there is part of that, that that is, yeah, you're taking care of yourself, but I'm a firm believer. And if you're a better person, that's going to that's gonna cascade down upon everyone else around you and everything you do. You're yeah. going to be able to be a better person in everything you do. Absolutely. You know, and... You know, I, I think that's another thing, too. You know, if you have a family, if you have kids, if you have, uh, you know, business pursuits, if you have whatever that, you know, you want to excel at, you know, um, I firmly believe that one of the, you know, a, a key component of, of excelling and, and achieving, you know, optimal results, not just mediocre results is, you know, you, you got you to gotta fix yourself first and then, you know, hopefully that improvement will cascade it amongst other things I, I i completely agree man that's uh i don't know like if you if you feel good about yourself if you're confident in who you are as an individual if you feel like you have the ability to share a story or tell somebody else of, of something that that you've learned or or realized throughout your own journey and and even if even if they kind of turn their their head to that <clears throat> if it just like plants a seed and that that grows, or maybe it gets them interested enough to do a little digging on their on their own. You know that that could be a potential potentially a huge thing. I mean, you you lost your wings. You hadn't flown you know commercially uh, for three four years now. You thought probably at the time that you're adding the most value by doing that. You know, offering that as a service. Whereas now, I'd, I'd venture to say that you've been able to impact significantly more people. You know, doing this, what you're doing now, being on podcasts, being open, you know, talking to that 25 year old girl at the gym, like just doing that and spreading the word, and that that's gonna kind of you know exponentially grow far beyond you can even imagine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hope so, and you know, that's one of the things where, you know, I mean, I, I'm more of a in a instructor slash teacher role now, you know, at work, and it's sort of like the reason why I have that job at work now is because prior to, you know, losing my medical, you know, I had, I don't know, in excess of 15,000 hours in the air, you know, um, I'm hoping I can portray or, you know, present some of that experience and knowledge that I gained on a professional level, a level to my students. And then now that I'm starting to hone in on some more experience and knowledge, you know, for, you know, diabetics and just, uh, other people in general, you know, that are non-diabetics, that maybe that'll have an, a positive effect on them. And like you said, it's not a matter of, you know, going at it from the standpoint of, 
you know, what we're doing is better and you either, you know, are with us or you're not. And, you know, if you're not, then you're somehow, you know, not a, as good a person or something. It's a matter of like, no, man, you know, this is, this is great. And we want it. We're excited. We want to share it and we want you to feel good too. And if maybe we can help you shortcut some of the pitfalls that we experienced, you know, isn't that, I mean, isn't that a good thing? <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. No, you're you're doing it right, man. You're doing it right, hundred percent. You've got the right intentions, and you're coming from the right place. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you on the podcast here because I don't know. I think a lot of people would benefit from your story. But we just, we just kind of went down the mindset rabbit hole. I always kind of go, go back to mindset, I man. I love I love talking <laughs> mindset. Oh yeah, well, I think it's it, a huge factor, you know. I mean, oh it has yeah, to be. It's, it, yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Um. Well, cool, man. Where, where can people go to, to find out more about you, kind of follow your journey? Yeah, so, um, you know, I've, uh, I have kind of do some Twitter. Um, you know, basically what I've been doing on there is, like, posting some of my, um, you know, uh, some of my, like, blood glucose values and, like, some of my continuous glucose monitor tracks and, you know, like, before, during, and, like, after some of my training and then like, you know, mountain bike races and, you know, mountain bike training, again, just as an example to say, hey, you know, you can perform as a low carbohydrate athlete, you know, so people can maybe check that out or every once in a while, maybe I'll, if I find something out that's kind of cool, that's related to health and nutrition or uh, you know, diabetes management or an article, you know, um, I'll share that on Twitter. I'm not, you know, super active, you know, because like I say, I got to you know, I got a full-time job, so I'm not going nuts on there, but I do like to post on there once in a while. Um, and that's, uh, just, uh, capital T one and then uh flyer. So capital T and then the number one and then uh flyer is my uh, Twitter. And then I don't have a website or anything mainly cause I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just a guy, man. I'm just out there, you know, trying to make it by. <laughs> so I don't have, I'm not running a website or anything like that, but, um, you know, um, maybe in the show notes, you know, I could, I could maybe put my, or if you get in touch with me on Twitter and you're interested, you know, I can get you my email that way. Um, you know, if you have maybe some questions for me, but I guess the one thing to bear in mind there is that again, I'm not a professional on the, on the side of, you know, doing this for a living. So, you know, I don't, you right. know, I have to monitor my time, but I definitely want to help folks. Or if you have some quick questions or something or, just want to connect, you know, I'd, I'd be more than happy to help folks out with that, you know. Well, I'll link on Twitter for sure. Twitter, I think you can send a direct message in there so they can, they can message you in there yeah. too and get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I guess just one last final thing, um, or, you know, I don't know how much time you got, but I just wanted to put a couple, not really plugs in, but just some resources I found that were really beneficial. Um uh, one of them is run is a uh, website called Diabetic uh, Muscle and Fitness, and um, it's basically it's even if you're not diabetic, there's some awesome information on there for weight training and um, various training plans and nutrition. And they aren't they aren't or that that website isn't focused on low carbohydrate keto per se, mm-hmm. um, but there's some really solid. Uh, physiology and um, training information on there. Um, the guy that that started it, uh, Phil Graham, was a or is still heavily involved in the fitness industry over in the UK, 
and he was a professional uh, a bodybuilder as a type one. And um, so he's, you know, very well versed and he actually um, has multiple degrees in um, sports nutrition and physiology and biology. So he's very well educated and he has a lot of really good information on there. So if you're a diabetic, whether type one or type two, and you want to get some information on exercising and weight training and um, nutrition and, you know, how to manage your, you know, different types of insulin or insulin therapies and uh, continuous glu blood glucose monitors. And there's lots of um, training modules on there and videos and articles and interviews with various doctors and people in the industry. Um, it's a, it's an awesome uh, website. And what was um, the name of it one more time? It's called a uh, diabetic muscle and fitness. Okay. I'll link out to that one as well for sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I bet Phil Graham would be an awesome guy to have on your website. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm intrigued. I'll have to reach out to him. Yeah, he's uh, he's really good. And he actually put out a book, too, that's called The Diabetic Muscle and Fitness Guide. That's It, al it almost reads like a textbook. I mean, it's super uh, informative, some really good physiology in there. So uh, that's a really good resource that, you know, again, for the diabetics out there that want to start educating themselves. Um, I think that's an awesome one. And, again, they support that whole mindset of, take responsibility, educate yourself. And then there's really nothing that you can, that can stop you as long as you have the information and the knowledge to be successful. And, you know, he's a big proponent of, you know, you got to own up, you know, if you have a bad day or you don't train or you go off the rails on your diet, don't point the finger at somebody else and say, well, it's because of this or because, you know, I got slammed at work or no man, own it. Just say, look, you know, I effed up today or I didn't have a great day today, I went off rails, you know what, I'm going to wake up tomorrow, I'm going to hit it hard, I'm going to be back on the rails, you know. I like and, it already. Uh, yeah, man, I mean, it, it's good, you know, and he puts out little, uh, there's a Facebook group that's also the same name um, that has some really supportive folks in there. Um, it's it's a really great community. Um, and, of course, the Facebook group is free. Um, I think if you actually join the, the he calls it the training lab, but, it's like $11 a month and it gives you access to all the content, all the training plans, all the nutrition stuff, all of it. And it's, it's good. It's not keto. It's not low carb per se, but they do talk about low carbohydrate ketogenic diets and they don't, they don't, um, I guess over, uh, sell it, but they also don't discourage it. And they say, no, it's a very viable option. Here's some things to be concerned with so that you again have the knowledge to safely do it you know because that's mm -hmm. another thing that diabetics and, and type ones in particular are often uh steered away from the low carb ketogenic diets because they're sold on this fear factor of oh you could have this unexpected low blood sugar or what's called hypoglycemia mm -hmm. well i mean if you know what you're doing with your insulin and you know what you're doing with your diet there's no reason i mean i haven't had a significant low in two and a half years you know and I've got no problem, you know, and it's, it's completely possible. So, um, yeah, that, that's one good website. I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, um, I like it, man. I'm going to have to reach out to him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's done a bunch of, uh, podcasts or, or interviews with, uh, another guy, uh, John, uh, Fonte. He's, he, uh, runs a, uh, um, a podcast called, um, type one run, which is another really good podcast. It's more for like endurance athletes that are type ones. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
Yeah, that's how actually, let's see, how did I find out about Diabetic Muscle Fitness? I think it was on John's um, podcast, actually. And I just went in there and all, all the information they have on there is, is really legit. Now, they probably, you know, if you're going on there as, you know, for looking for pure low-carb keto stuff, you got to read between the lines because they don't per se advocate just low-carb keto, mm -hmm. but it's in there, you know. Like they give you the tools to say, oh, here's what I need to do with my insulin and my nutrition, and if I do this, I can safely do it and, and exercise as well and, and weight train and, you know, you know, put on some mass, put on some size, get strong, you know, live a healthy life. And it's, it's a good message. So Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll check that out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another book just for reference, um, that is more geared towards low carbohydrate and ketogenic type, um, type diets for diabetics is uh, Dr. Richard Bernstein. He has a book out. It's been out for a while. Um, it's uh, called the um, Diabetes Solution by Dr. Richard Bernstein. And um, he's an older guy, but it goes back into the mindset kind of thing. He's 83, almost 84 years old now, and he's been a diabetic since he was 16. And it goes back to that those old guys hiking in the woods, you know, like this guy's uh, an endocrinologist. He was an engineer. He put himself through medical school so that he could have credibility to implement and to get people to listen to him about a low-carbohydrate diet and the positive effect it has on diabetes control. And the guy's, you know, walking the walk, man. I mean, he's 83 years old and has no diabetic complications. So he's a billboard to say, if you control your blood sugar, and you will you don't have to get all the diabetic complications provided you can take control of the disease and have normal blood glucose. I've got all um, the respect in the world for people that are practicing what they're preaching, so I'll check him out as well. Yeah, yeah. And then uh lastly there's another one, um, Dr. Ken Runyon. Um he's a uh endocrinologist or no, he's not I can't remember if he's an endocrinologist or or not. I don't think he is. He's an I can't remember what type of physician he is, but he was diagnosed late, I think in his mid thirties, but he's a triathlete and he had a similar story to mine where initially he was eating what he thought was healthy and then he wasn't getting the performance and the, um, not only athletically, but also the, um, result on, or the control of his diabetes through just what he thought was good diet, but then also exercise. So he switched over to a ketogenic diet and now he has normal blood glucose values, much better control, no lows, you know, excellent performance as a triathlete, you know, weight trains is able to be very active and just has all the positive health benefits. And he wrote a book, uh, called, um, um, the ketogenic diet for type one diabetes and it's specific to type one diabetics. And so it's, um, it's, it's really good. I love it. I love it. All these resources. I mean, like you said, the more, the more resources, the more knowledge you can get, the better. So <clears throat> having these kind of artillery is, is going to be good for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't have any skin in the game. I'm not selling the things. I don't have any affiliation with those folks directly. But it's just something that I've found and, you know, found Yeah, that makes it even resources. better. You know, like if, you know? If, if, you've, if you've benefited from him, you know, with no skin in the game, then, then other people would as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, and that's a starting space. I mean, there's a lot more information out there, and you know, there's a lot of stuff in podcast land and and other folks. But yeah, I mean, it's and 
yeah, man, it's just, it's just, it's, it's exciting because of, you know, how good, um, or the quantity of positive health benefits it has for everyone, not just, you know, diabetics, but man, it, it, from the diabetic standpoint, man, it can profoundly change your life. It really can. You just got to, you just got to man up and or woman up or do whatever up and, and get yeah. into it. <laughs> you got a cowboy up, man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, John, man, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've, I've, uh, I've learned a ton. I've had a, had a blast talking with you. We'll have to keep in touch for sure because I don't know. I, I like your style, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. You know, hopefully it's one of those, uh, you know, Southern things here, but, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I was, uh, really glad to come on the show and, um, yeah, I, I like your message, man. And, uh, as, as everyone else is, is chopping at the bit, man. Got to get a hold of some of those keto bricks, man. I hope you got a big old <laughs> kitchen this time. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be making a bunch here very soon. We're, we're still waiting on some of the raw ingredients to come in, but we're gonna be we're gonna be hammering out a bunch in the very very near future. That's awesome. I'll get you one for sure. All right. All right, John. Until next time, man. I appreciate you. Sure. Absolutely. Take care, buddy.